guys. Welcome back to the 10 Weeks Podcast. It's Kevin. And Bennett. And we're sitting down this week with our good friend Nitya Mehta. Yeah, so Nitya is from Panama, um, but she's actually Indian in culture. Her parents came from India to Panama. Um, she lived in Panama in a small town called Cologne. Um, and my God, does she know a lot about Panama's culture yeah. and history. Well, I mean, she is a global studies major. So That's if there's true. anyone that knows about the history of this small country, the complicated history from, you know, influences from larger countries like the United States, from China, it's this person. Definitely. Yeah, so we definitely learned a lot from this episode, and we hope you do as well. Yeah. Enjoy. Enjoy. Cool. So, Nitya, you're from Panama, right? Yeah. But you're not Panamanian. Yeah. So, I am Panamanian by nationality, because I was born and raised in Panama, and I have a Panamanian passport and everything. But my parents are originally from India, and they moved to Panama around like 30 years ago now um, to start their life from scratch, mainly because of like economic like reasons, like just businesses and stuff. Because at that point, the free trade zone in Panama, which is the second largest in the world, was <laughs> popping up. And so my dad was like, oh, let's go and check that out. And so he did, and he ended up staying there. So, huh, yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Do you mind like going into a little bit more detail about this business thing? It's yeah, so basically um, Panama has the second largest free trade zone in the world and inside that free trade zone is called Zona Libre. Like, Does free trade mean like no tariffs? Or yeah, it, it means okay. no tariffs cool. basically. Okay, gotcha. um, so it's it's not even in the city because like I'm not from Panama City, like the capital. I'm from Colón, which is this like really tiny like town sort of thing. Like just imagine 14 streets, just like a box, oh, wow. literally. Oh, um, and so I was born and raised there and the free trade zone is in that part of the country so my dad decided to move there because it was really popping up at that point a lot of companies were deciding to like be a part of the free trade zone there's a lot of startups and stuff so he decided to move there and yeah interesting I didn't, I didn't did he like did he do any like research like did he like visit there before actually then moving is, like that's a, that's a big apparently, decision apparently when he was um, in India there were a few friends of his like not like direct friends like like friends of friends of friends right. who were moving to Panama at that point all okay. Indian people okay. um, and they sort of like you know you know how it works with immigration the migration and stuff that you know you hear back from the people who are already there from your country mm-hmm. they and write, they tell they you home, they're like, exactly awesome. they're just like oh yeah so, like this is good this is going well and like you know maybe more people should come and try it out so he basically you know heard from friends of friends that it was like okay it's a good place to go to right now and he decided to move yeah he used to work in hotel management before all of that and then he decided to you know start up his own business and yeah he works in garments back home cool (laughs) so what's you said there's the second largest free trade zone yes the first one is in Hong Kong oh okay I see interesting Hmm. See, I got enough fun facts about my country so I can just like, throw them around <laughs> yeah, like just, that and like just be like, oh, people are shook, okay. Casually toss it in conversation. Yeah, the part <laughs> where I'm from is also where like one of the canal locks are. So the okay. Panama Canal, which yeah. is what everyone recognizes Panama for, which is a little insulting, but it's fine. Um, uh, basically, there's like different locks of the canal and one of the mm-hmm. biggest locks is in Colón, where I'm from. Mm-hmm. So basically... A big part of the country's revenue comes from Colón itself because the free trade zone is there and also the canal locks are there. Mm. So even though it's a smaller city, it's the second like most important after the capital. So okay. it's not like, even though it's really tiny, it's not that low key, so to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And the locks are cool too. Mm-hmm. Like being engineers, have you have yeah. you seen like the way mm-hmm. that they rise the water it's, level and move oh, the man, boats? Yeah, I yeah. literally whenever someone I think this this past summer, yeah, this past summer, two people from UCLA came to visit me, and in Panama, and I was just like, oh, I gotta show them around. I gotta <laughs> show them the canal. The canal you know, yeah. everyone wants to see the canal, and so I took them, and you know, they show you how like the gates open, and the waters rise, the waters go down, blah blah. blah. It's really cool. It's yeah. Cool stuff. yeah, that's cool. How you long? Guys should come visit. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be down, Jenny. I mean, yeah. <laughs> how, how long is this country? I know it's like, it's it's really narrow. Like, it's right in between North America. Yeah, so the thing is, Panama is basically like the bridge between the North and the South. That's right. what we like to call mm-hmm. ourselves. And we <laughs> also, flip. yeah, hair flip. And for that reason, we also have like um, a lot of like flight connections. We have our own like, like <clears throat> recently, well, not that recently, like around five, maybe seven years ago, uh, Panamanian Airline Company like started like just working in the in the airport and there's a lot of like connections from like oh if you want to go to brazil or chile or peru or anywhere in like south america okay. from the north you know there's a lot of like hot connections from right. okay. so we're like the hub of the americas that's what we're oh, yeah. um so even that's though you would, yeah that's our tagline even though you would think that it's like this like it's like going down actually panama is kind of horizontal on the map so huh. even though you would you would assume that it's like this and it's, it's vertical and it goes down, it's really this way. So because it's this way, it's not that thick. So right where the canal is, it's not that big of a chunky thing to cover. So because we're horizontal, we have sort of like mm-hmm. that advantage to like be able to have like the canal right there. Um, so yeah, it's you would think that it's like this, but it's really not. It's like a flat S sort of. Flat S, okay. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> and is there a division between like north and south Panama, like north of the canal and south of the canal? Is that a thing? I mean, it's not really a <laughs> thing. Um, thing is, one of the locks are where I am, which is sort of the north, which is like closer to the Atlantic, right? So it's like the Caribbean side, you could say. Okay. And then the other side of the locks are in the city, which is like in the south, but really like just down right there. <laughs> There's no such separation, so to say. It's not a thing. But yeah, it's, it's it's really cool. It's not it's not even like NorCal and like SoCal like that. No, right? no, yeah, no, not just... at all. Thing is, like because it's like horizontal, there's not really a up and down. There's oh, more like okay. a up and down on this side, like on the vertical right. sides, right? Because okay. we're bordering Costa Rica on one side and Colombia on the other side. Right. So we're kind of like it's that division, like not really up and down, but really like right and left. Mm-hmm. I yeah. asked because there's a lot of like cities that have rivers running through them. Yeah. And they often say like, oh, like, are you on this side of the river or that side of the river? Yeah, not really. We don't really have that. Yeah, we got a lot of rivers flowing, but really don't have like that division sort of thing. But Colón is known to be like, sort of like the like the, I don't want to say gangster, but like sort of like <laughs> like the hood in comparison to like the rest of the country. Okay. Um, which is really interesting because you wouldn't really imagine someone from a place considered the hood to be coming to UCLA. Like that's yeah. just like. Also, there's 14 streets, so like... Yeah, literally, like, it's really tiny. And How it's, first street, and then 14th street, and then there's nothing it's, else. It's all a box. Like, you can get anywhere you want, like, super easily. Like, all the streets are connected to each other, but it's super unsafe because mm. it's, like, considered, like, the hood and stuff. It's not unsafe because it's considered the hood. It's unsafe. That's why it's considered the hood. Okay. Let me, like, yeah. rephrase that. Okay. Um, basically, a lot of, like, the locals sort of have, like... They resent the international people and the migrants who've come in. Um, you see that a lot more right now with the Venezuelan crisis and the. So, have you firsthand experienced that at all? 
Oh, yeah. Like, like, it's not really, like, direct because I feel like immigrants and nationals try not to interact with each other a lot. Hmm. Like, the locals, locals, there, there's a big um, African-American population, like, just Caribbean population specifically. Okay. Yeah. And so they technically are, like, the locals because they have been here there for, like, an eternity. And this comes back to the time when the canal was being built and when the railway was being built, which mm-hmm. is one of the first railways built in the country. Like the world, so this is pretty cool. More fun um, facts. Yeah, more fun facts. <laughs> so when that happened, there were a lot of like immigrants that came in to like help with the with the building of all of these like mm-hmm. big infrastructures. So and this was in like the thirties. Wow, or I think it was like Teddy Roosevelt, right? So, uh, that think, sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah, I think it was way before that. So like, yeah, yeah way. Before. I know it was like the canal. The canal was Teddy Roosevelt. See, the canal was was built. I don't even know what president it was to say. Well, well it was a long, expansive time. It was a long, expansive time, but like, there's a lot more, like, into it because so the French came and they tried to build the canal. Let's start with that. Hmm. They failed, right? And so when they failed, they packed their bags, they left. Then the Americans were like, "Oh, it's our turn to try it out." They tried it. They succeeded. They had it for an extended period of time until I think it was Carter. Jimmy Carter okay. was the one mm-hmm. who gave the canal back to Panama yeah. because the USA sort of had ownership of it for an extended amount of time and Panamanians obviously were just like, oh, we yeah. want it back. Like, it's kind of messed up. It's like in It's kind of like our revenue, right? So they gave it back to us. I mean, we, we kind of forced it back from, from the Americans with the treaty, right? Torrijos Carter Treaty. So our president and okay. your president basically. Well, you guys are from here, right? They're from the mm-hmm. States. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so our president and your president um, came to an agreement to like give it back to us. And then after that, there was um, Noriega, which was a dictator who was in Panama in, I think, like the 60s, 70s. I don't want to say something that's incorrect, but like, I think it was around that time. And so th- we had like that dictatorship, and during that dictatorship, there was an American invasion to take him out mm-hmm. sort of thing. Okay. I don't know if you guys know, but USA was very, very, very involved in Latin America up like from the 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, yeah, I mean, that's why... I- like Puerto Rico still like a, a territory. Yeah, or and they were they were pretty involved with like government authoritarian regime regimes all across like yeah. Latin America. Yeah. So in this case, they were trying to kick him out because he wasn't in agreement with the same ideals of that the United States had. So they came in, they took him out, and then they decided to stay for a little bit. And Panamanians were like, "Hmm, what's going on?" Are they trying to take our canal back from us? Yeah. And so that was like a legitimate concern at that point oh, until wow. Americans finally left. And then we were like, okay, this is cool. But recently, like with the Trump administration, uh, I remember that like he had come to visit Panama and our, he met our, met up with our then president. And he said a comment, like something like, oh, um, you guys really did a good job with, with that. So, no, he was like, we did a really good job with the canal, didn't we? Like he was talking to our president. Oh, referring to the yeah, United yeah, States. Yeah, 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 referring okay. to the United States. And our president was just like, uh, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> what is this? And then Panama again freaked out. They're like, oh my God, Trump is going to take our canal back. Oh, so God. it's like a legitimate concern for us all the time. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like such a, it's like, I mean, it's like a national treasure, right? It's like yeah, it really is. Um, I think <coughs> there was also, like, recent talks um, about Nicaragua building <coughs> a canal as well um, that was going to be funded oh, yeah. by the Chinese That's government. Right. Yeah, and they were going to go through the, the lake as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were going to go through, like, Nicaragua, and then Panamanians were just like, uh, no, like, <laughs> no, we, we, we can't let this happen. Like, uh, we really, um, this, this is literally our only source of, 
revenue, not only source of revenue, but like the biggest source of yeah, revenue. Right. And we sort of like take ownership of like having a canal, right? So we got kind of freaked out. But then suddenly that plan dropped from Nicaragua. But then also Panama started having better relationships with China. So like mm, something, something shady. You just, you just see, the thing is, I'm really interested in all these things because I'm a yeah. global studies major. Yeah. So like just like international relations and like oh why countries do what they do, what are right. what's the reason behind okay. all of that? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. always been interesting to me, so I always keep an eye out when I hear that stuff is going on. How does, to like, yeah. This is interesting because you mentioned that Panama is a free trade zone, meaning that there's no tariffs. No, 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 not Panama itself. Oh, just, just okay. the free trade zone inside of Panama. It's like one tiny region oh. in Colón that's like a free trade zone. Okay, how, are, how do they maintain that? How do they, like, as a, such a small town or like such a small city? How you do know, they... if you were to ask me the details of it, I would not be able to tell you okay. exactly <laughs> how that works because that's econ like, is not that's my business. <laughs> I, do not, I do not like business like that. But in terms of like <laughs> having political influence from like countries like China being able to like you know kind of dictate certain yeah. things going thing on is, how do they maintain like that autonomy the from thing is the relationship with China is something very recent and by very recent I mean like a year or two like okay. two or three years that's when like because you know that China's trying to build a Belt Road initiative and they're trying to you know like get more involved in international yeah. like mm-hmm. in the international arena especially because USA is sort of like backed out of it um so they're trying to build stronger relationships with a lot of Central American countries. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of countries in general, not only Central America. But they tried, you know, investing in Panama and doing FDI in Panama and stuff like that. So you see the change very visibly. Like whenever now I go to the airport, like whenever I'm going back home, I see a lot more Chinese people there. I see huh. pa- I see Panamanians who are like, you know, trying to learn Mandarin and like like just speaking in Mandarin to people, so you really see the influence really quick. But as far as like autonomy is concerned, like you're talking about like the free trade zone and stuff, I don't think they've had a chance to get very involved in it right now, especially because the free trade zone took a big bust like four or five years ago when the Venezuelan crisis hit. Because Venezuela and like Venezuelan companies had strong ties with the Panamanian companies that were in the free trade zone, just like exchanging and stuff like that. Yeah. But when Venezuela dipped, the free trade zone also <laughs> dipped. And there was a lot of, like, money that Venezuelan companies kind of owed to Panamanian companies, but because literally Panama, like, Venezuela could not afford to pay anything back to Panama, the free trade zone kind of dipped at that point. Hmm. So we're not doing that good economically now, but free trade zone is not the only thing, right? So Panama has tried to be a lot more, have a lot more involvement with, like, the finance and the banking sector. So that's why if you go to the city, you see that the city's, like, completely metropolitan, like, we have a metro system. We have like skyscrapers. Like you that's so amazing for a small country to have. It literally feels like a proper like city, like mm-hmm. an American good developed metropolitan city. Mm-hmm. Again, Colón is a different story because it's like right. way tinier, <laughs> way you know like more sort of just in there. Yeah. Um. So it's a different story with Colón, but if you're in the city, you can really tell and you know how how really developed the country is in general. Mm-hmm. And we're just trying to like move out from like the agricultural sectors and more like more of those sectors and try to get more involved in finance and business and banking and stuff like that. Yeah, so we're doing that. <laughs> wow, that's like a total like I don't know evolution, I guess. It is like they just happen to be at the right place at the right time. Like I feel now... like that was a really really <clears throat> big part of it. Like we've had the canal for a very very long time. Bless. Like. We've had it there, and we yeah. also have the free trade zone. 
but at the same time, you have to diversify your economy, right? Yeah. And we yeah. we were also at one point known as a banana country because like we used to do oh, a lot yeah, of like banana right. exports mm-hmm. and just like fruit exports and stuff like that. So I feel like it's just like the government needed to find new ways and new routes to like improve their economy. And you slowly like step out of like agriculture and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And when you want to be considered like you know a metropolitan a developed country i feel like you have to step into that zone of like finance banking and all that so yeah panama's trying to do that is there still a lot of the farming and agricultural aspect still there there is but it's not uh, of course because panama is not just like panama colon there's a lot of provinces there's seven Mm -hmm. total provinces in panama and there's five seven in that hold up nine yeah. Oh, okay. My bad. I've been here for too long. There's nine <coughs> provinces and there's five um, comarcas, which is we call them comarcas, which are basically like territory that is indigenous. So okay. we have a lot of like indigenous communities as well. Um, so those territories are like of the indigenous community and of the indigenous people. But we do have farming and agriculture in like the part that's closer to the border with Costa Rica. Um, so we do have like farming still going on there and there's still like a lot of like export and stuff but it's not like we're trying to like you know produce it and focus more on just the business and finance sector okay that's interesting yeah I mean I mean I I guess I'm just going to sort of switch tact here but um I know like Panama is sort of right in the middle of like all like the Latin American countries sort of thing and there is uh, there is a lot of differences between each country. Yeah. So I was wondering, like, what's the main difference between like Panama Panamanian culture versus some of the other ones? Okay. I mean, there is a, there's like obviously a lot of similarities, right? Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of, like bleed over in terms of these Latin American yeah. cultures. Yeah. So 100 <clears> percent, there's a lot of like similarities because that's kind of what makes Latin American culture Latin American culture. Right. Like, that's why you yeah. can like put it all together into one, even though it's really not. Like I've met a lot of international students here who are from different parts of the world, specifically Latin America, I'm gonna focus on that right now. Like I've met people from Chile, um, Brazil, which is like Latin American, but like that's another story. (laughs) Um, And then uh, Costa Rica, I have a friend from Costa Rica here, and Colombia, and I've met people from all these countries. And sometimes when I speak Spanish, they don't understand some of the things that I'm saying. Oh, the accent. It's really, no, the words. The oh, words really? themselves, like Panamanians, like every different country has like a lot of slangs, and so people don't really understand each other. You that's when you realize that like uh-huh. even though the culture is so similar, there are differences. Like if I yeah. were to say to someone, "Quesopa," they'll be like, "What?" Like someone who speaks Spanish, someone who's from a Latin American country, they'll be like, right. "What?" And I'm just like, I asked you, "What's up?" Like, did you did you not get right. that? But the, but like the equivalent of that in Mexico is like "Quetal." Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. It's different. So. There, the differences, I guess, would come with, like, language, slang. Even Correct. though it's Spanish, it's a different kind of Spanish. And I feel like in Central America itself, because, like, not even considering, like, South America. Because Latin America is Central and South America. Everyone just goes, like, Latin America is just, like, the whole thing. But really, we know that there's, like, Central America, which goes from Guatemala down to Panama. And then South America right. starts at Colombia right. downwards. So... Even in Central America, I think Costa Rica and Panama are the two countries that are very different from the rest of Central America, from the upper portion of Central America, because we try to diversify our economy, be more involved in like newer tech, like finance sector, all that kind of stuff. Like Costa Rica is a leader in like uh, green energy. Just, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're like pretty, they're popping up on yeah. that in Central America and Latin America in general. And so you see the current. 
migration crisis in El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, like people are leaving and trying to come here to the States. You don't really hear the name of Costa Rica or Panama and all that, even though they're part of Central America. Yeah, that's interesting. You just see people talking about Central American immigrants, Central American, you know, people. And you're just grouped under that and umbrella term. We're under that umbrella term, but really we don't feel like we're the same as those Central American countries. So, yeah. like, even in Central America itself, which is just, like, what, seven, eight countries, there's also so many, like, differences based on not only the culture, but also the way the economy of the country works, language and slang, um, just a lot of different things. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. So, we've asked this question to a lot of our previous guests. Mm -hmm. What's the biggest culture shock you've realized coming Oof. to the United States? It's actually... It, it's a pretty common trope, yeah. like what, I've, what I've heard here. I mean, yeah, it's a like, lot of it's like... I mean, we were talking to some the diversity. Like diversity, yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know, I had a sub question after that, but I forgot. But go ahead, like if you have a, if you have an answer. I feel like people have asked me that so many times, mm -hmm. and I'm always kind of at a loss of like words. I'm just like, I don't know. There was just so much. Like when I came here, first of all, it was huge for me to come to a city like LA after having yeah. lived my entire life mm -hmm. in Colón. Which is it's small. like it's tiny. Tiny. I can't walk on the streets there. When I tell you it's unsafe, like literally mean it. I can't walk on the streets there. I literally go from place to place in a car. Like okay. out of my building, sit in a car, go somewhere else in the car, get out of the car, go to wherever I'm going. Like I can't walk on the streets. I don't really have a lot of interaction with like locals apart from like the people in my school and stuff, which was different. Um it's very, very different coming here. And even, like, walking in Westwood was such a shock for yeah, me. That, like, really? wow, I can walk in Westwood till, like, midnight. And, like, it's fine. And, like, yeah, I was so... I would always, like, be looking over my back. Even though I know it's super safe. Just because, like, in my head, I was raised in an environment that was very unsafe. Mm -hmm. So I've always been skeptical of the world around me mm -hmm. in general. Like, I feel like just, everyone's out to get me. Hard that yeah, yeah, it's just like, <coughs> everyone's out to get me. Someone's going to try to rob me. Someone's going to try to maybe pull out a gun on me. Like, it's just like freaky, right? Yeah. So I was always looking behind my back whenever I was walking everywhere. And like, I still do that up till now, like even though I've been here for like two whole years. Mm -hmm. So I feel like even though you'd not consider it culture shock, because I feel like when you guys say culture shock, you mean like, oh, UCLA, like what was it like, like coming here with students and stuff? For me, it was more of like a environmental shock. Like, like just everything around me was so different. When I came here, I was like, oh my God, I can go out to eat at any time and I can like post space. Like I was excited about like the smaller things. Like I can order in food and I can like, yeah. you know, walk around and stuff like that. So diversity wasn't that big of a shock for me because um, my high school, even though it wasn't, it was called international, it was like Caribbean International School. Okay. We didn't really have any international system like IB or AP or any mm. of those things that like, you know, academically cons are considered like international standards. Right. Um, we just had like the Panamanian education system, but the people around me were from all over the world. Not because they were coming from all over the world, but because their parents were from all over the world. Oh, just a situation like me. Mm -hmm. like, so yeah. just like they were parents. Yeah, they were okay. children of like migrants. Right. Um, so I was surrounded by other Indian people. Believe it or not, there's a huge Indian community in Panama. Huh. Um, yeah. I was surrounded by other Indian people, uh, Korean it? people, Chinese people, Italian people, Lebanese people, a lot of Lebanese people, huge Lebanese community there too. Wow. 
<laughs> Jewish people. Um, I had a professor, a botany teacher in my class. It was Bulgarian. And, like, even even though it wasn't, like, international, I was always surrounded by a lot of, like, diverse people. Like, I would just be like, yeah. oh, it's Eid. It's, like, I can celebrate with you guys and, like, celebrate with my class. And my best friend from back home is Lebanese. And mm-hmm. he was born in Venezuela, but he's, like, Lebanese. Right. Um, so I would just go to his house when they were doing, like, Eid celebrations and stuff. And for Chinese New Year, like, my friends would bring, like, the envelopes, the little red envelopes. So, yeah. like, I feel like even though it was such a small place Panama really is the hub of the Americas (laughs) we literally have people from trademark yeah trademarks (laughs) we literally do have people from all over the world like not only because of I mean thanks to the canal building and the railway building in the the past but also just more people coming in because of like the economic opportunities business opportunities that are that keep popping up Um, so I was I wasn't really surprised at diversity when I came here to LA because I always had like sort of and plus, like, I myself considered considered myself so different because I was Indian and I was Latin. And I was yeah. just like, oh, it's fine. Like, everyone here is different. Like, I'm so different. So, like, it yeah. didn't really surprise me. It was just the smaller things that really shook me to my core. <laughs> like, just walking around and stuff like, oh, my God, I can walk. And, like, nobody's going to try to kill me. Wow, it's so mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> the little things in life. Yeah. <laughs> the little things in life. So... Yeah. Do you feel like other Latin American countries can learn something from Panama? Ooh. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. obviously always something to, to learn um, yeah. from different countries and how they do certain things. There's a lot that we need to improve on. A hell of a lot. Um, and, like, I know that. But at the same time, I think, like, three or four years ago, Panama was voted, like, happiest country in the world like no way yeah about like Denmark we, and we Sweden had, yes what we had we had the happiest Hang people on. we had the happiest people and mm. I feel like even though that's in general very Latin American um it's very family sort of yeah it's very family oriented yeah. it's a very Latin American like vibe just to be happy not think about tomorrow like locals like Panamanians like the locals back home they really don't care about tomorrow like they live for the present you see, like, every 15th and every 30th of a month, which is when, like, people get paid, mm. um, that day, <laughs> the streets are so crowded, everyone <coughs> comes out of their house, sits, like, on the corner of the sidewalk with, like, their chairs and everything, and all the families are drinking and, like, just having a good time, eating together, just, like, dancing around yeah. on the streets with, like, loud music for that day. Next day... It's empty. No one has any money. They spent all their money that they got. That's so funny. It's literally like they spent all the money that they received, right? And oh, they're just like so very, very happy in that sense. Like they don't really think about like, oh, we need to save up for the future. We need to like they're content in whatever they have. And I feel like as someone who was raised in a like traditionally like Indian like family. Right. That's not really the mentality that we have yeah. at all. We're always just like focusing on the future and like, mm-hmm. oh, how can we do better and how can we like earn more and how can we we're so like focused on those sort of things that sometimes we forget about just like letting go and like living in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like Panamanian culture and Panamanian people really exude that and I feel like everyone right. can learn from that. Not only in Latin American countries. Yeah, I feel like living in the Latin. United States being such a political and economic powerhouse. Yeah. That when you look at countries like well, Latin American countries are smaller countries that perhaps aren't doing that well in terms yeah. of, you know, like economic or political reasons. Like we kind of look down upon look them down, just yeah. because we're like so high up. Superiority but if you actually like live in those countries, like you said, these yeah. are these people who are like incredibly happy. 
They really and, are. Yeah. Of course, there's a lot of issues. There's still a lot of problems mm-hmm. with our government. Well, that type of like, thing happens like everywhere. Like, exactly, it happens everywhere. Mm-hmm. People, but people in my country just find a way to like be happy with what they got. Like mm-hmm. they complain about the government and stuff and the <laughs> politics. They always blame the president for everything, <laughs> as usual. I mean, that's pretty but, familiar. <laughs> yeah, pretty familiar. Um, but at the same time, they're like, "Yeah, life's good. Like it's going fine." Like everyone there is very like strict about like oh when it's time for lunch it's time for lunch like we're not doing any work like mm, and how interesting yeah and people are like at the same time they don't really like <coughs> working like they're just working to get like paid to be able to live but it's not like their top priority like you know how everyone here is so career driven and just like yeah it's true in the hustle of like oh my god we gotta yeah, it's intense <laughs> yeah it's really like that right but back home it's really not people are just it's 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 more than the children of immigrant parents or the immigrants themselves who you see like hustling and trying to get like the top jobs and trying really hard to like get the locals are really content they're happy with what they got that's yeah. so cool <laughs> I know it's like I don't know I mean it's definitely a, uh, it's an attractive way to live I think mm-hmm. just like living in a, I mean living in the moment and just being sort of content and relaxed and sort of more carefree I yeah. guess in a way it really is people are really happy in my country that's a good thing <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah. You know, like countries like Denmark and Sweden, they have healthcare and a lot of things like paid for for the government. Yeah. Right. Do you guys have that in Panama? Or? Ooh. So. <laughs> <She's> like, Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. When it comes to like things like healthcare and like social security and stuff like that, we still are a third world country, right? Okay. Quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um. Quote unquote. Yeah. I gotta say that because I realize that they can't see me. So right. It's like quote unquote. Um. We still are a third world country, and so we have a lot of problems with our healthcare system. We have a lot of problems with our governments themselves. Like, to tell you that the past government, the past government's president was actually, once upon a time, the vice president of the past past government's president. <laughs> trying to put that together. So, <laughs> Connect the dots. right now, we just got a new president in May, okay. like, sworn in in May. Just think about the president before that and okay. the one before that. Okay. So I'm just talking about the past two, like, uh-huh. right, like uh, governments, right? And so how long? How long is the presidential term? It's four or five years. Okay. One of those two. Uh, why am I blurring on these things? <laughs> but basically, the last last guy was the one who built the metro and like did all this cool stuff, and everyone okay. was happy with him. But he took so much money from the country. He was pretty corrupt. Um, but people were okay with it because he built the metro. Yeah. So like, okay. you see, people in Panama are just like, yeah. he did a good thing. It's fine, for, forgiven, all's forgiven. Um, but his vice president did not think so. So his vice president decided to not be his vice president anymore. Um, in the middle of like the term, oh, then he decided to run for president the next year, and he won. He became president the next year, and in that next year, instead of focusing on like improving the country getting it out of the debt that the other guy left it in. Instead of doing all that, he was like, you know what? I'm just going to try to find a way to catch this guy, catch the other guy. Oh. And they put, like, just to court. Catch him for what? For, like, corruption? For corruption, yeah. Okay. There's a lot of corruption scandals. But ours are not really that well-known, right? Because Brazil has a lot more, and other Latin <laughs> American countries have a lot more. So we're just, like, low-key in that sense. But I'm pretty sure you guys heard about the Panama Papers, right? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, my God! That's a very surprising like oh thing for me because everyone either knows Panama for the canal or for the Panama Papers. Anyway, I'll come back to that in a bit. Okay. But this president 
decided to be like, you know what, I'm gonna, like, my buddy, my old buddy was doing so much, like, terrible stuff, I'm gonna try to find a way to, like, catch him. And he did, and the other dude ran off to Florida to be able to, like, to Miami. Miami, it was Miami, he was living in, like, a beach house, just, like, chilling in his, because no one could, like, catch him there, right? Mm -hmm. And then I think that president, like, the president that was trying to catch him spoke to the USA or something to, like, bring him back. That dude was in jail for a bit, and he did, like, a lot of corrupt stuff, and, like, they caught him. So people didn't like the other, like, that president, the one who was trying to get the other one, because, A, dude, he pulled the metro. Why are you trying to catch him? It's fine. (laughs) And second, he was like, you're not helping our country. Like, why are you focusing so much on that instead of, like, fixing the current problems? Yeah. And they were just like, oh, you don't do anything. His nickname was Tortugon, which means turtle. Turtle. Because he was slow. (laughs) Yeah, yikes. But... So basically, like, that's just a rundown of, like, how messed up our government situation really is and has been. Oh, wow. Um, but a lot of Latin Amer- other Latin American countries have it worse. They don't really hear about, about our issues quite as much. Panama Papers. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not... I, I always, like, defend my country's government when it comes to the Panama Papers because I don't think it was... Like, it didn't really have any government involvement in it. Like, it wasn't, like, the fault of the government, but it had to do with this law firm in Panama called Mossack Fonseca, which basically was laundering money for, like, a lot of big people all over the world. Like, not only... Like, I think Messi was caught in that, and a few, like, other, like, just, like, actors and, like, Hollywood people and even politicians were caught in, like, money laundering in Panama. Panama has a bad reputation of being considered a tax haven. Okay. But people don't understand that when it comes to being a tax haven, it's not that it's illegal. It's just that the country's regulations are not strong or, like, strict enough against that. That's what makes it a tax haven, not because it's illegal or anything. So... When the Panama Papers came out, everyone, like, looked down on Panama. And when when was this? Ah... I want to say... I was in... I was probably in 11th grade or 12th grade when this happened. So, like... Okay. Yeah, like... Pretty, pretty recent. recent. Pretty mm-hmm. recent, yeah. So when this happened, everyone was like, oh my God, Panama, like stricter regulations placed on you, sanctions, but well, not there were the sanctions, but like just like you, you're really bad. You're sucking in the tax haven area. So like fix your issues, whatever, whatever. But like, I'm always just like, it's not the fault of the government. Mm-hmm. Our regulations are just not that yeah. strict, <clears throat> which is what enables a lot of other people to like, do stuff right like just clean their money or whatever but at the same time like you can't blame the government for it they can bring they can make stricter regulations but it's not illegal so everyone thought that the government was corrupt and everything but it was just that company it was just the law firm who was doing the entire thing so yeah people look down on us for that i kind of don't like that makes me sad but it's fine (laughs) i'm surprised you guys haven't heard of it everyone is always either panama canal or panama papers yeah, I mean, I, get, I don't know. <laughs> it's fine. You're Mechies. You're Mechies. It's forgiven. Uh, the rocks. Yeah, it's forgiven. Global studies major. It's a North Campus thing, guys. <laughs> are you? How are you liking your time here at UCLA? You're you're involved at the Dashu Center, right? Yeah, yes. I am. So um, I'm a third year, <laughs> by the way. Uh, global studies major, Chinander minor in environmental systems and society. If it works out, and maybe another one in music industry. If it works out. Um, this is a lot, I know, yeah. <laughs> but um, I really, really like being at, being here at UCLA. Funnily enough, this was not my first, second, third, any choice of university. I was aiming to go to the East Coast. Like, okay, that was my goal. Like, I wanted to go to Columbia or NYU or one of those schools. After I got registered from Columbia, 
I was just like, okay, time to like maybe look at like other stuff. I had applied to UCLA because a friend of mine had told me that he didn't apply to any of the UCs and he regretted not applying to it because the application was before the common apps, right? right? So he ended up not applying to it and he was like, you should do it if you have the time to do it because like, why not? Right. And UCLA is great, UCSD is great, UC Berkeley is great. So I was like, okay, I'll apply, I'll apply to like those three just in case. Yeah. Um, just in case. <laughs> and, uh, I ended up not getting into Columbia. I was waitlisted at NYU. My dad really wanted me to go to Harvard. Of course, I didn't get in there. It's fine. Um, and I was like, you know what? At the end of the day, it was between Northeastern and Boston and UCLA. Um, my best friend goes to Northeastern from back home. Okay. So she has been studying there, and she's like a year above me. So it was a perfect reason to go there. She's there. She'll fix up everything for me. I don't have to worry about anything, <laughs> right? But then my parents didn't want me to go there too because our families are really tight. And they were just like, you should go there. Like, it's yeah. perfect. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to take the leap of faith. Oh. I want to go to the other corner and start from scratch where there's no one to help me out. Like, just like see what that's like. Be completely independent. Wow. Okay. And I took the jump. And I cannot tell you how glad I am of making that decision. Like... I went to visit my friend at Northeastern during freshman year Thanksgiving break. And first of all... Cold. So cold. <laughs> so cold. Like, as a person who lives in the tropics, someone yeah, who's lived her entire like life in the tropics, I can't even deal with this because this is, like, so dry for me. Like, my skin is peeling off here mm. all the time. Oh, yeah. Imagine what I would have done in the East Coast where it was just, like, snowing in Boston. Oh, man. I went to visit her, and I was just like, look... No offense, but I'm so glad that I didn't come to the East Coast. Like, I'm very happy in L.A. And when I came here, um, I'm super, like, into music, right? Like, I want to do a minor in music industry. And yeah, L.A. is the place to be if you're into L.A. It. is the place to be. So, like, when I was thinking about, like, wanting to do music, it wasn't really, like, a priority for me because I was just, like, oh, I'm more focused on, like, international relations, global studies. That's what's going to get me a career, not music. A classic mentality coming right. from, like, mm-hmm. you know, an Indian family background. Um, yeah, and so I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to do my global studies major. Then I came here, started going to a lot of, like, different events, started going to, like, I don't know if you guys know about One Iota, like, no. what are you guys doing? <laughs> We're maybe, stuck in South Campus. Maybe because I'm international, like, I was, I was like, I need to make the best of LA, not okay. UCLA, so I really focused on, like, trying to do everything in the city. Oh, so One yeah. Iota is basically this website that gives out, like, free tickets to, like, James Corden, um, oh, okay. concerts, did- and movie premieres, and stuff like that. And when I found out about it in my freshman year, I signed up for, like, everything. <laughs> and Wait, sorry, sorry. You said James Corden, like, the talk show? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. You get to go on, like, the show and stuff and, like, okay. be an audience member or whatever. I went and to the Conan O'Brien show. Oh, so I, okay. I that was not from One Iota, but, like, a lot of people go to that, too. They, One Iota does, like, Jimmy Kimmel, The Voice, oh, okay. um, James Corden. Oh, wow. yeah. yeah. So when I found out about that, I'm like, oh, I'm going to sign up and go to these things. Started off going to these things. And because I'm so into, like, you know, just, like, the industry and, like, oh, music and, like, Hollywood yeah. and stuff like that, somehow it just all fell into place. Like, me being here, I loved it. Like, I was going to all these things, seeing all these famous people, going to concerts every other, like, week, and I love going to concerts. Back home, no one comes to Panama. No artist comes to Panama. Yeah. But here in L.A., you could go to every con- smallest of the small, biggest of the big. Mm-hmm. Everyone is here. And... It was so cool for me to just go and experience these things, and I was so, like, happy. And at that point, I was just like, dude, maybe life just falls into place. Like, maybe <laughs> some someone up there, like, really knew that this was what would have been best for me, and I've just been super happy about doing all of that. Of course, there's 
a lot of loneliness that comes with it because it's such a big city and far from home. Really hard settling in during my freshman year, even sophomore year, I was struggling with like, you know, just not like, not like getting into UCLA or anything, like being a part of the UCLA community, but just like internally, like mental health wise, was not doing perfectly fine because it's really hard. Like, it's such a big university, it's hard to meet people, even though people say it's supposed to be easier because there's so many people that doesn't really work like that. <laughs> um, and, you know, building a social life and everything is really hard, but then yeah. there's all these other, like, bursts of things that keep happening, like, every month that just, you know, make up for it. Yeah. And I'm just really glad to be here. Like, it's always a struggle, but it's great. It's been great so far. Yeah, seems like yeah. you found your home here in LA. I really did. <laughs> I think a lot of it had to do with Dashu and acapella. So okay. those are like the extracurriculars that I do. Yeah. Um, I became an ambassador for Panama during sophomore year, my like first quarter sophomore year. And I'm still doing that. Basically, Dashu is the International Student Center. It's the hub. Um, I've been saying hub a lot. I've been saying hub a lot. This is this is kind of funny. But so basically, we work with international students, and the international ambassador program specifically is like students representing their countries. And at the same time, we have like biweekly meetings where we talk about different issues that would help international students, whether it's health, finance, um, just like higher visibility on campus, advocacy, all of that stuff. We basically discuss all of that and like try to come up with solutions to help international students the most that we can. And because we're international students, we know what those are and we're able to like, you know, combat them pretty well. Um, or at least like identify them because combating comes, you know, with the higher administration, not just us. (laughs) But um, you know, just being aware of like what international students need, what can we do for them, how can how can we make them feel more at home? And with the ambassador program, I really, really found my people. Like I love them so much. That's all awesome. of them are so amazing. And because we're all from all over the world, we understand the struggle of coming here, starting from scratch. You know, it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. But everyone seems to like get it. Even though we're from all over the world and the cultures are different and stuff, that's when you realize that like there's something that connects us all. Not only them, but like even at everyone at UCLA, there must be one thing that connects everyone and oh, yeah. you just build on that. And we build such strong relations all of us we just go out for food like we did this thing last year where like one person would choose a restaurant that was related to like their region or their country or their area mm-hmm. and we would all go there and, the, and the they person, know the best places to eat too yeah they really <laughs> yeah. do and the person would order for everyone because yeah. they're yeah. the ones who know right That's and so cool. then we would just go and we're like okay <clears throat> let's let's eat this whatever it is and we would all just sit go to restaurants and like have a good time talk about life talk about just yeah. like Food is the best way to eat. Food is the best way, really. I love it. And then I joined acapella sophomore year as well. Because my freshman year, I didn't do any extracurriculars because I wanted to focus on the academics. Because coming from outside, I was just like freaked out about how much harder it's going to be here. Yeah. Um, Was it? It really was. Okay. Um, My (laughs) high school was like terrible. Um, Like academically, like coming here was such a hit. And so I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to focus on like getting my grades straight and then once I know how to do with that second year I can do whatever I want I can start getting to extracurriculars and then I got into the acapella club amazing I'm in pitch please that's my acapella group <laughs> that's good um, we released an album last this, this summer and a music video up on YouTube yeah I'm just like putting it out here just advertising <laughs> just plug it promo oh, go for um, it. and I just feel like those people are also like they understand my musical like mentality and like yeah. I can connect with them on that level. 
So really, I feel like there's something for everyone here. Like you'll just you'll find what you what you want to find, and really loved it. Found my family with those two clubs and organizations. Yeah. And I'm just really content with where I'm at right now. Like academically, doing better. <laughs> Econ one really, really just ruined me. But after that, <laughs> really ruined me. But after that, I just like. Um, <clears throat> trying harder and I have to write a thesis now for my senior year for global studies so I've got to start thinking about topic ideas for that oh, wow. and then I'm doing the extracurriculars <coughs> so like yeah having a really good time yeah. it's been really good hey it sounds like you're really filling in here hey that's yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it, it takes time but you get there mm-hmm. yeah, it's fine definitely yeah. cool well we're almost out of time here but just on closing remarks, I'd like to thank you for coming out. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, of course, yeah. Thank you. This was amazing. I learned a lot about this tiny country that <laughs> probably a lot of people, you know, didn't really know a lot about. Yeah, it's yeah. really small. Mm-hmm. It's small. What? <laughs> I didn't know much about it. <laughs> I'm sure you could tell. Yeah. Okay, it's fine. But, I mean, like, that's what this is all about, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Just, you guys probably get to learn so much about yeah, everyone definitely. who comes mm-hmm. here. Like, I when I I didn't even know about this podcast, but when I heard that it's a thing, I was so like surprised, like pleasantly surprised at the fact that you know there's two students at UCLA who are so <laughs> interested in like you know doing an international student sort of yeah like spotlight thing, and I really love that you guys are like putting yourself out there and like wanting to learn about so many other cultures and people. Thank you. Thank you. It's Thank really you. good. <laughs> uh, well, with that being said, is there anything else you'd like to? plug like maybe your instagram your acapella Ooh. album oh yeah. yeah okay so acapella <laughs> album out on spotify just look for pitch please um on spotify you'll find our album there music video up on youtube it's our icca set list which is the international championship of collegiate acapella which is what pitch perfect is in real life okay. we do it yeah um so our music video is on there my instagram handle is n-i-t-y-a-m 13 so nitya m 13 first name First letter of the last name, 13. Just follow me out there. If you have any questions, if any international students are listening to this and you like, you know, want to know more about anything, really, if you want to know more about the international student ambassador program, if you need any help, just hit me up and we'll try to help you guys out. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Thank you <laughs> Thank so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs>